This morning at TPLS, Pastor Sadler titles his sermon, I want to be more than at church, I want to be in church. If you want to know the difference in how you can be in church, then keep listening. Ezekiel 8, starting in 15. Then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar. That means somewhere in between the entrance and the altar of God were about five and twenty men with their backs towards the temple of the Lord and their faces towards the east, and they worshipped the sun toward the east. Ezekiel is talking with the Lord, and the Lord is giving him a spiritual perspective. He, God is unfolding from his vantage point how he sees his people when they come to worship him. They are at church, but they're not in church. They're at the sanctuary, but they're not into it. I want to preach today, I want to be more than at church, I want to be into it. Is, is that okay? Put your Bibles down, Jesus, anoint our ears to hear, stir our hearts today. God, anoint your word, help me, your messenger. God, make us attentive and inspired and motivated by your word to be into serving, worshiping, and praising you for you're worthy. And everybody say in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I have been reading intently this week documented accounts of the war going on in the nation of Ukraine that Russia invaded that sovereign nation and one of the first things they did is to knock out their cell towers where it minimized their ability to communicate and then they jammed satellite phone signals and it made it to where there was almost no communication and there was no ability to coordinate resistance or evacuation or seek medical help and so the president got some of the most technically driven people together in a room to discuss how they were going to overcome this adversity to their ability to communicate that had been interrupted. And the cutting-edge engineers of a modern age had all these, maybe we could descramble the scrambling, maybe we could launch our own satellite, maybe, maybe, maybe. And one older engineer who had maybe a few gray hairs and some life experiences says, don't we still have buried all those copper cables where we used to use those things called landline phones. Do what? And through the buried copper cables, communications were reestablished. Now hang on just a second. God is speaking to Ezekiel about a people that had come out of Egypt, which is a type of the world. God used Moses, 
a messenger who was flawed but was also anointed to lead a people out. And he epitomized our theme for this month when he looked at Pharaoh and said, Turn my people loose. Or in other words, let my people go. And through the moving of God's Spirit and the application of the blood, God brought His people out of the world. But it was a lot easier to get the people out of Egypt as it was to get the Egypt out of the people. Because here we are, generations later, and they're still worshiping Ray, the sun god. They're supposed to be in His house, praising His name before His altar. But the Bible says they've turned their back on His name and His altar. And they're worshiping what pleases them. Can I say today, that we're in a day that I never envisioned happening. Politicians that dropped out of campaigning because they were being blackmailed over scandalous photos now celebrate transgenderism, homosexuality. They're proud to line up with abortion. I'm telling you, we're in a day I never thought I would see where what we call normal is very far from the things of God. The only thing that will help us stay sane and allow us to raise a new generation is the church of the living God. Government does not have the answers. School does not have the answers. Programs of the world do not have the answers. It's still the church. But I'm afraid if we're not careful, we've seen the catalyzation of information and even entertainment go into streaming mode. You don't have to be home at 7.30 on Thursday night and tune in to the Peacock channel to see the Cosby show. Now you can hit it on demand. You don't have to tune in at noon to get Paul, Paul Harvey's noon news and comment. Now you can get the podcast on your time and in your way and when you feel like it. And how often do we get busy and don't feel like it? I'm telling you, I'm afraid church to too many doesn't make sense because I can catch it on the fly. I can stream it when I feel like it. I'll listen to it when it's convenient to me. I'm here to tell you. Last Sunday, Sister Beth asked me to play the drums. And so I'm in that little box in the corner. I thought I was back in elementary school in timeouts, what I felt like. And, and guys, there's no top on that thing. And, and I'm in the room, and I got windows, but I felt like there was a chasm between y'all worshiping God and where I was at in that little room, isolated by myself. Now, if I can feel that in that little room inside the sanctuary, what is the difference between those who are not in the sanctuary of God and what they're not getting out of the service? I want you to know that our enemy, the devil, wants to do anything he can, first of all, to prevent us from coming to the house of the Lord. Kids who are on honor roll, who've never had a problem all week long, they'll get demon-possessed on Sunday morning. They don't want to get up. They don't want to eat breakfast. They don't want to put their shoes on. Husbands and wives who truly love each other are heading for divorce court on Sunday morning because you said the wrong thing to me. 
when I ask you, does this make me look? I know what you meant by that look. And if you don't turn the car around and go back home, and you show up in here, you're in no frame of mind. Man, it's quiet up in here. And if we stay home long enough, we'll start believing the lies that nobody knows and nobody cares and God's not interested in me and maybe the Bible's not even real. And maybe Jesus didn't really come and maybe he didn't die on the cross. Maybe he didn't cover my sins. Obviously, God's not pleased with me because nobody even notices me. I'm here to tell you, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. For the psalmist says, David's chief psalm, David, the man after God's own heart, the guy that knew how to worship when nobody else was worshiping. His chief musician, worship leader in the house of the Lord started looking around at everybody else. Well, they don't go to church and they're doing okay and their kids are on honor roll and and their grass is getting mowed and they got a promotion at work. So maybe I don't have to go to church, but I don't have to serve God. And then then bitterness creeps in, then resentment, then resistance and all these things begin to happen. And the Bible says that David's psalmist almost slipped. He almost failed. He almost gave up. He almost quit coming to church. He almost gave up on God. But when he came back, Back into the sanctuary of God, the Bible says, then I remembered the goodness of the Lord that can only be found in his house. I, I, I feel it. I'm telling somebody, we need to have a revelation. There is no substitute for being in the house of the Lord. Do you remember when David was running? Absalom was on him. They were going to destroy him and he needed a weapon to defend himself. My Bible says he come to himself. He had been coasting for a while. He had been at church, but he hadn't been into it. He had been going to temple and tabernacle, but he'd also spent time with Bathsheba. He was at church, but he wasn't into it. The Bible says that in this great controversy, he remembered that there had been stored a former trophy of the war or the battle that he fought with one Goliath and that sword was found where? It wasn't on eBay. It wasn't at Adelphia or Titans Stadium. It wasn't in Nashville or Knoxville and it wasn't in LA or New York. The Bible says it was found under the altar in the house of the Lord. Let me tell you, there are certain things. I'm glad for doctors and I'm glad for technology and I'm glad for science and I'm glad for a lot of things, but there is nothing that'll do for you what an experience at a Jesus name altar will do where the blood is applied it'll wash away mistakes it'll cleanse you from unrighteousness it'll set you free from despair and depression and David went to the tabernacle and behind the altar he found a weapon I'm telling you there are weapons of our warfare they're not physical but they are spiritual and they are found in the house of the Lord 
It's not if the devil's waiting on you this week. It's when he's going to attack you. But I came to the house of the Lord and I heard the word of the Lord and it's now my weapon. And greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I got a weapon of the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth. I'm preaching to somebody today. We need to be into the church. You remember David, his mighty men of valor, told him, said, hey now, you're being kicked off the throne and you, you got to go and fight guerrilla warfare. Why don't we take the Ark of the Covenant with us and that way we'll always have the presence of God. David said, not so. He said, for the mercy seat of God should always be in his tabernacle. That way when people come to the house of the Lord, they shall find mercy. I'm glad we serve a righteous judge. I'm glad he's holy in all his ways. I'm thankful that he's king of kings and lord of lords. But what he wants to be known for most in his house is the king of mercy. You can't go too far. You can't do too much. You can't get too estranged from God that if you allow him, he can't reach you. He can save to the uttermost. I don't care how deep the pit. I don't care how dark the sin. My God leads with mercy. David said, I know I'm in trouble and I could use God's mercy with me, but he so loved the people of God, he was more pleased that mercy would stay in the house of the Lord for when people came in, their needs could be met. I'm here to tell you, in the house of the Lord, there needs to be found mercy. I will tell you as a pastor, we've done everything we can to facilitate. I'm not preaching against technology. I'm so thankful that we've been able to turn sermons into podcasts and glad for Daily Connect and I'm glad for our website and I'm glad for all the things that we do to try to get as much word available to you as possible. But those are only supplements. They are not substitutes. They supplement your faith, but they will not sustain you within yourself. For the, it's always been in the mind of God that His people would come to His house to get. It's always, it, and just like. The old gray-headed engineer had a revelation. There's something that's gone before us. I know it's not as glamorous and as the young uns say, it's not as techy as what we got now. It don't have all the bells and whistles. But can I tell you, I'm still glad there's some things that have been buried in me that has been established in me. No matter what was going on in the world, I got a main line connection with God. God, and the world can't sever it and the world can't take it away I'm telling you it's the church of the living God Jesus says I have come and overcome the world but I want you to know his method of creating an opportunity for us to stay saved is the church he doesn't have an ATM for salvation but he's got the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it I'm going to get in the church of the living God I'm I don't want to embarrass her because she's sitting with Gigi. But this one over here, I won't call her name. She comes to the house and she's playing. It looks like a bomb's gone off in about five minutes. 
Her enjoyment goes from the dining room table through the living room, down the hallway, under the beds. I mean, it's everywhere. And the other day she was sitting near me and she had Gigi's iPad and it was playing something. I know a lot of people give kids tablets to help them veg out and zone out. I mean, it's, it's fuel on her fire, boy. She sees something, it's not good enough just to watch it. She's emulating. She's busting moves. She did things that I would end up at the chiropractor doing. And she was watching somebody do some decorating these kids' YouTube channels. And, and she's seeing this stuff. And if she doesn't get up and she finds a hanger that I had, and she bends it just so, and she's starting to emulate the method. And I thought, my Lord, she's really into it. Am I, she's into it, buddy. She, she tells her sister when she's pretending to bake what to say. Say the cookies are ready. The cookies are ready? No, not a question. The cookies are ready. Say it. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. She's into it. Do you know how I know she's into it? She gets animated. You tell me you're in church, but you don't get animated? I'm in church, but it don't affect your giving. It don't affect your worship. It don't affect your praise. It don't affect your attitude. I'm When you're into it, when you're into it, <laughs> God pulls back the veil and he tells his prophet Ezekiel, rather, he pulls the veil back. You see a group of people in church. I'm telling you, they're at church, but they're not into it for they've turned their back to the altar. Can I tell you what? Having your name on an attendance roll is not going to save you if you turn your back on it. I'm telling you, it's those who have surrendered their lives to the Lord and say, I'm yours. Take me, mold me, shape me, sculpt me. Do they were in attendance, but they weren't paying attention. They were there in person, but their mind was otherwise engaged. Like a lot of us. We're thinking even now about all we got to do when we get home. How to be prepared for our upcoming week. Who's winning the ball game right now? What we're having for lunch. As Brother Brian said, planning for that big spectacular vacation. Balancing the checkbook. I had a young adult tell me recently, what's a checkbook? That hurt my feelings. I thought I was being so wise. I says, well, how do you know when you don't have any more money in your bank account when my debit card's declined? <laughs> oh, I hope you ain't a long way from home when that happens. Woo. We don't talk about it much, but the Bible says there's one emphatic about the God we serve. He is a jealous God. He doesn't want to share your attentions or affections with anybody else. Would your spouse put up with you just coming home but not being into the relationship? 
Our God is a jealous God. He don't want you just to show up, but he wants you to engage in worship and relationship with him. If we're not careful, we can allow the devil to get our attention and get us turned on to things that really don't matter. I know I've shared this story before, but maybe somebody hasn't heard it. My brother entered junior high at Ed White Middle School, 7th grade. He was in the band. They had a fundraiser. And being a 7th grader in a, in a new junior high, you want to do anything you can to set yourself apart, to be considered special or important so you don't feel insignificant or inferior. And so Randy was handed a box of Nestle chocolate bars to sell. And the kid in the band that sold the most chocolate bars got a grand prize Hang on now. A Kodak 110 Instamatic camera. Ooh. They're like at Goodwill for a quarter now. But hey, you know, it was 35, 40 bucks at the time. A couple packs of film, maybe worth $50. And my dad owned a barber shop, and he basically threatened customers if you don't buy at least two candy bars, I'm going to mess your haircut up. He sold a lot of chocolate bars. And my mother, who was basically an introvert, she worked the neighborhood and all her friends in Avon and even went to the church and carried some. And my brother worked the neighborhood and got a hold of all his friends and called grandparents, put the guilt trip and manipulation. I'm going to have a terrible childhood if you don't buy some chocolate bars. And for weeks, the first conversation at the nightly dinner table was, Randy, how you doing selling candy bars? Well, I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm in second place. And finally, it got down to the last couple of days. My dad said, son, how you doing on those chocolate bars? He says, well, dad, so-and-so's got this many more sold than I do. I'm afraid he's going to win. And my dad wrote a note and sent it with Randy. And my dad purchased about two and a half boxes of extra chocolate bars and put them in the freezer. And I think we ate chocolate bars for weeks. It, it was a painful experience because, the, number one, it would have been a lot cheaper just to go and bought him that camera. But you get caught up in it, right? Number two, the whole family had to join Weight Watchers after that because... <clears throat> Are y'all fat shaming me? Is that what y'all do? I'm feeling it. I'm feeling fat shamed, okay? Now, my brother won... And he won that camera. Now, let me ask the question. What do you think that camera's worth today? 15 cents. I wonder if he still got the camera. Knowing him, he probably does. But it's not really worth anything. What's your point, Pastor? We get so wrapped up and consumed into things that really don't matter. Do you think my brother, if he applied for a job today... Part of his expertise he would put under his resume won the seventh grade band chocolate candy bar selling competition and won a camera. Ooh, what a resume enhancer. Who thinks that would just get you the job? No. Do you see how much energy can be expended on things that really don't matter? I'm not against activities, but Jesus revealed in the scriptures that the cares of this world if we're not careful do you remember he sowed good seed and it landed on a place that was able to produce but the weeds the thorns and the thistles which were the cares of this world came and choked it it was living but it took its life some of you have been born again but if you're not careful 
The cares of this world can take the life that God has breathed in you and can cause it to come to nothing. Be honest. How many sermons and services have you allowed the cares of this world to squeeze them out of you? Drop them and forget them. I'm not being malicious today, but your kid getting the participation trophy, is it going to matter at the great white throne judgment? Man, it's quiet in here. The things that we put such a premium on that we would be a bad parent, a bad spouse, a bad family member if we didn't see this through, I'm telling you, there's nothing more important than a relationship with God. It will go with you. Let me stop. Jesus revealed his mission statement. Never looked at it that way till recently. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, if you'll trust me to paraphrase. Jesus came into their synagogue and their rabbi recognized him as another rabbi, another teacher. And it was their custom if you had a new rabbi, somebody unfamiliar to your group, you would let them read their favorite passage and maybe expound upon it to get some wider understanding or some fresh thought. And so Jesus took the copy of the scriptures and he opened it up to Isaiah and he says, I have come to preach the good news to the poor. I have come to heal heal the brokenhearted. I've come to preach deliverance to the captive. I've come to, re- to preach the recovering of sight to the blind. I-, I don't have time to preach that. It didn't say give the blind their sight. It says those that had sight, I can restore it. There are some of you that you saw it, uh, but you let this world and the things of it uh, shape your thinking and affect your vision. But I'm telling you, Jesus has come that you once again can see He is the reason for the season. He is the person purpose for everything in life. He said, I've come to bring liberty to those in prison. That doesn't necessarily mean set them free out of prison, but it means even in prison, they can have the joy of the Lord as their strength. And he said, I've come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. If you've been in church any time, you know that's referring to the year of Jubilee. I know the law brought death. I know the law, no man can live up to it. I know the law required extreme things out of them. But within God's law, even under the law, God put a provision as a year of Jubilee. Every 50 years, everything that you had to put in the pawn shop because you didn't have sufficient had to be returned to you. Every debt that you owed was wiped off the books. I'm here to tell you, maybe you had to sell yourself or your children as an indentured servant, a slave for money to pay off a debt, but they were sent back home and the ground would not be tilled, and the nation would rest. Why do you think God, even in the law, would make a provision for a year of jubilee? I think he wanted his people to look forward to a day that was not yet, but was coming, when God himself would robe flesh and walk among us and die on a cross, and every sin debt we could not pay, Everything that the enemy had stolen could be returned and we could be at rest. 
we could be at rest in joy and love and peace in the Holy Ghost. I understand. I know it's I know it's possible. It's real. Paul says, don't be entangled again with the things of this world. Why would he say that if it wasn't possible? It's very possible. Some of you, God is delivered from nicotine, but you found it again. Some of you, God delivered from porn, but you found it again. Some drugs, some alcohol. I'm not criticizing. It might be bitterness or greed. It's very possible. I can see how it could get a hold on you, but there's something else that can get a hold on you. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost can get a hold on you. The Holy Ghost and fire can consume you. It can make you be what you weren't. It can give you the power to come out of the pig pen and be reestablished in the Father's house. I'm here to tell you, it's in the sanctuary. It's possible at the altar. At the altar. My Bible says after the day of Pentecost. I'm proving my point. Because I believe the Holy Ghost and fire can get a hold of you. Well, I ain't got enough willpower. Holy Ghost be all the power you need. And my Bible says after Pentecost, the very next chapter, Peter and John were going to the house of the Lord. And they saw a beggar. How many people had passed by him? Passed by him? And I'm sure some threw him coins. Threw him coins. Tell you what. I know Peter and John were Pentecostal preachers because they didn't have no money. (laughs) For the kingdom of God is not about raiment and money and position and careers. He walked up to a man. The Bible says it had always been that way. I was just born this way. It's always been this way. Can I tell you what? My God specializes in them always cases. The ones that seem impossible. And Peter and John on the Lord's day are on their way to the house of the Lord. And they say, silver and gold have I none. And they got a hold of a man who had never, I'm telling you, never walked before. He said, but silver and gold have I none, but such as I have power of God moved on him and God put bone and sinew he didn't even have to go to rehab and the Bible says he gave a little tennis clap and he just kind of walks softly into my Bible said he leaped to his feet and he ran rejoicing he leaped and shouted them old religious people didn't know what to do with him and so he felt so good he went fishing he felt so good he went to Cracker Barrel no the Bible says and he ran into the house of the Lord God didn't give you health for you to waste it on things that don't matter God didn't give you provision that you can squander on things that really don't matter. But I'm here to tell you, God's put some things in some of you today. He's given you power. I love it. I love it. If Peter and John had not been faithful to go to the house of the Lord, would that man still be sitting there? I'm here to tell you, I believe there's some people in this place today that you've got a made-up mind. Me and my house, we're... Me and my family, we're going to the house of the Lord on the Lord's day. We're going to not just be at church. We're going to be in the church. We're going to be worshipers. 
When we see somebody limping, we're going to come alongside them and bear their burdens. When we see somebody weary and well-doing, we're going to speak encouraging words. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm thankful you're at church today. But greater than that is being in the church today. You may fool me. You may fool the the elders of the church. But God sees all and knows all. And He knows who's just attending or those who are into it. Thank you for listening today. You can reach us at our website, www.tpos.church. To donate, you can use our text-to-give number at 615-490-9442. Until next time, go with God.